Well, sad day. This is the last time you're going to hear that wonderful bump music going. I guess you can go to Pandora if you want to listen to more Celtic music. Um, but it's good stuff. I like it. It was a good, uh, nice little thing. But yeah, we're finishing up Colossians today. But I want to thank Ben uh, for coming up and, and leading music. Logan's been, uh, we're trying to get Logan to take vacation this week. He keeps showing up at church and we keep kicking him back home. Um, so, um, but I appreciate uh, ben coming up, giving Logan a week off, and appreciate Jason up here last week, um, giving us some thoughts from God's Word out of uh, Colossians 3. And uh, yeah, we were talking with the, the leadership team yesterday. Uh, you know, we still got to remember uh, Jason. Yeah, Jason's still a young guy, and uh, Logan's even younger. Um, but they're doing a good job, you know. They're, they, they love the Lord, and they're seeking to do what they can. Um, to help us continue to reach people for Christ and in the different areas. So I really appreciate those guys, and um, it's been good. But we're going to be finishing up our series today in Paul's letter to uh, the Colossian believers. And we've learned so far that um, a lot about who Jesus is, right? It's a, kind of the whole focus here about who Jesus is, the fact that he is God, and as God, he's the one who created this world, this universe. Uh, he's also the one who uh, created the church, um, and he's the head of the church. We, we've learned that he created, and on a more personal level, uh, this restored relationship that we have with God, that prior to um, Christ's coming, um, God the Son, that we were separated from God because of our sin, and uh, God loved us so much that he sent God the Son, became man, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins and we learn that this restored relationship, and this is where it gets a little bit more difficult for us, for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ and profess to have that relationship, this is where it gets a little more difficult for us because that relationship, according to God, should change everything about our lives. It should revamp everything. It should take our lives and drastically transform them into something that we or anyone else around us uh, would even think could be possible. There's this incredible transformation. We learned last week, uh, you know, about how God wants to come in and transform our marriages, right? Before that, we talked about just kind of life in general and the transformation that happens. Uh, but then we went into the marriage and we saw how it changes the parents' relationship uh, to the child, the child's relationship to the parents, how that should impact our relationships at work with our boss or with our employees or with our co-workers. It, it permeates every area of our lives. So now we live for what, God, what matters to God, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, not for what we think matters, but for what God thinks matters. Well, so good. Uh, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to finish out this letter, finish out this chapter in this letter. And we know that Paul's in prison uh, for sharing the gospel uh, <laughs> excuse me, he would go into towns, he would share the gospel, that would get the townspeople upset because it was actually taking away business from them, and, um, and as they, because back then everybody was involved in a religion somehow, some way, and so people would give their lives to Christ, they would no longer go to the temple, they were no longer buying the, the idols or the temple prostitutes, and so there's a lot of uh, money being lost, and so then the, those people would then get a, a mob going and getting people upset, and they would go after Paul and the guys, uh, his team. And this happened 
quite a bit in his life. Because uh, uh, since giving his life to Christ, Paul has been focused on this one thing, and that is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the fact that there's this personal God who died to restore this relationship. That was Paul's focus. That's, it wasn't just Paul's focus. It was all the apostles' focus. But it wasn't just their focus. It was to be the focus of everybody who has placed their faith in Christ. And so Paul, he faced beatings and he uh, faced attacks from the mobs. He uh, att- uh, faced uh, character assassins who came in after he got done in, in a town and they would come in and, and uh, tell the people about how bad Paul was and make up lies about who Paul was and what he was teaching. He was rejected by friends. He was re- rejected by other religious people. And now he's sitting 24-7 chained to a Roman soldier. And I don't know about you, but when I read that and I've tried to put myself in Paul's shoes, I, I just, that, that is, I, I would just be pent up. I, I would be so discouraged. I'd be so frustrated. Because here's this guy, Paul, who's, you know, he's a type A personality. He is a guy who's out there. He is doing this. He is fully committed. And he's taking on all kinds of opposition. But now he's left to just pray for his readers and to write letters to people and encouraging people to do uh, the mission, keep the mission going because he's not doing it. You ever had to do that where you couldn't do something and to rely on other people to do it for you? And Paul was in that situation and so he's writing these letters and of course the good thing for Paul is that he had a Roman soldier who probably didn't know Christ who then he shared the gospel with. And we know from Philippians that actually some of those soldiers, Praetorian Guard, would go back into um, Caesar's home and actually brought the gospel into Caesar's, Caesar, Caesar's, Caesar's home. Yeah. At the pizza place, you know, he said little seizures. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's what got stuck in my head. So anyways, as I was studying out this, these uh, verses this week, um, which is a little bit different for me, I don't usually come at a passage this way, but there's three, three words that kept coming to my mind. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to wrestle through this. I'm just going to use those three words as the basis for what we're going to talk about today. And it's urgency, it's sadness, and it's sacrifice. See, surprisingly, Paul wasn't down. Paul wasn't discouraged. He wasn't sitting there going, oh boy, what am I going to do? Because he, had a, he knew God, and he knew that God is the one who does work in people's lives. And so if Paul's in prison and he's praying, he knows that God's going to be impacting people's lives. God doesn't need Paul. And so Paul's praying because he knows that God is going to do his work. He's writing letters. He knows that God can work through those letters to, to encourage and challenge people to do the work. So he's not, he's not discouraged. He's not uh, frustrated with it. I'm sure he would like to be out there, but he knows who God is. He knows what God's doing. And so he's finishing off this letter to those who can go do the work, including us today, and trying to encourage us and move us along. See, Paul lived his life the way Jesus lived. And that's the way we all are too. That's why we're called Christians, Christ ones, followers of Christ. So now it's our responsibility. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to just read through these uh, 65 verses. There's not that many. Um, and, uh, but it gets a little bit, you know, bogged down. So just stick with me. Hang with me. Is your first time with us? I always like to explain this. You know, it's Jason last week. 
You know, he kind of followed the, the boss a little bit there, you know. So I always put in parentheses and some, you know, helpful words and stuff. I just, again, it's how I read the Bible. And so I think it's helpful for other people. And so take it for what it's worth. It's free. But he says this as he closes out. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, continually persist in prayer. Keeping alert. Stay awake. Be ready in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Which, by the way, Paul uses that phrase, something familiar, or similar to that, five times. So there's an interesting thing about connected with thankfulness in prayer. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up uh, to us a door for the word, which is the gospel, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, which again we know is a salvation, is not just for Jews, but for non-Jews, for you and me, for which I have also been imprisoned, and that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. You know, to me, this is one of the great encouragements from this passage. Do you know that Paul, when he was sharing the gospel, didn't always know exactly how he should bring into the conversation? When you ask Christians, you know, hey, you know, why is it you don't share the gospel? Well, you know, I don't really know how to bring it into the conversation. I'm not really sure what to say. Paul's asking for prayer that he would know and be able to share the gospel. I don't know. It's kind of an, I'm encouraged by it. I hope you are too. We'll move on. He says, conduct yourselves or in every interaction with wisdom toward outsiders. He says, people who don't have a relationship with Christ yet. Making the most of your opportunity. We're going to be talking more about all this, so I'm not going to read all the parentheses. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. Why should we do that? So that you will know how you should, not how you want to, but how you should respond to each person. As all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved and Brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant and Lord will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas' cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. There's, we'll talk a little bit about that towards the end of the message. That's why he's saying that. Go to the next one. And also Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. In other words, these are Jewish believers. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect, in other words, spiritually mature, and fully assured, confident in all the will of God. Again, we talked about this in Colossians 1, but wouldn't you love to know the will of God? for your life? Well, Colossians 1 tells us we can. We just need to make sure we're doing what God calls us to do. And that is spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, and taking steps of faith, which is pretty awesome that God would do that. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you, again, talking about Epaphras, and for those who are in Laodicea and Aeropolis, Luke, the beloved physician, he wrote, uh, he wrote the um, Gospel of Luke there in the book of Acts, sends you his greetings, and also Demas, we'll be talking about him in a little bit. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha at the, uh, and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. So they move these letters around um, so people, everybody could hear what Paul had to say. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill. So here's a guy who evidently is a follower of Christ, but he's not serving anywhere. He's kind of sitting in the seats doing his Sunday thing, but not serving. So Paul's like, hey, you need to get with it and get serving. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. 
grace be to you. So I don't know if you saw the three words that are in there that I've seen, but one is pretty obvious, and that's the first one, um, and that is this word of urgency. Because Paul is saying, he's commanding us, actually God is commanding us through Paul, that we are to devote ourselves to and keeping alert in prayer. And so if, if you were to describe your prayer life, what would that look like? For a lot of Christians, that's an area they struggle with. They, don't, they feel like, man, I don't pray enough, and I don't pray well, and you know, it's that kind of thing. And here we're commanded as Christians to, to be devoted and to keep alert. And what he's saying there is, is that in day in and day out, these are present tenses. So if you've been here any length of time, we get into a little bit of the Greek and the tenses and all that kind of stuff. And so this is, uh, this is what I normally say. It's day in, day out, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation no matter the pre- people involved, no matter how you're feeling or what you think, pray with your eyes wide open to the people and the needs around you. That's what Paul's saying here, summarizing these verses together. Devoted means to uh, have a determined persistence. Keeping alert means to be wide awake or highly alert. We get this, right? How many of you guys have checked your cell phone since you... Don't raise your hand. But... I mean, have you checked your cell phone since you walked in here? Even into this room, not to mention the building, or checking on your way over. We, we get this whole idea of keeping alert. Right? We're always checking our phone. We're always seeing what's the next notification. Does somebody like what I put up on you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, the, all the different things that are out there anymore? I can't keep up with them all. But keeping alert in it. So it's, it's somebody who goes through the day and as they go through their day, they get up in the morning, they, they say, you know, good morning, Lord, you know, however you want to start the day. You just right away, you, you start praying and thinking about what's going on in the day and asking God to give you wisdom and strength. And you get all cleaned up and you, you're talking to your spouse, or your children, or your parents or whatever. And so you're, you're praying because you know you're going to have interaction with them. So you're praying, God, give me the wisdom and strength to know how to deal with that. And like, Lord, I know I got this coming to say. And so I pray you give me the grace and the ability to deal with that. And I'm sure there's going to be some things that I don't. No, are coming down the pike, so man, make sure you give me the grace and strength to be able to handle that. And I got my boss I got to deal with, I got my coworker I got to deal with, and then you get home, or on your way home, and you're like, ah, I know what's going to be like when I get home. I know I open the door, what's going to happen? And, you know, Lord, give me the strength and the ability. It's just a day where you're each day having a conversation with God as you go through your day. It's a persistent thing. Yes, it does mean that God is saying, hey. I want you talking to me all day long. I want, to, I want you to realize I am with you. We don't have to pray, God, be with me. We have God the Holy Spirit. We don't have to pray, God, be with so-and-so. If they're a believer, God's already there. We can pray, make it evident, you know, or help us to recognize that type of thing. And yes, this is hard. This is not easy for us. Because we get distracted. We get things happening. Things are flying in our faces. And we can't So yeah, it's going to be hard. So we need to confess and say, God, forgive me. I, I, I lost track of you for a second there, but I'm back. Let's keep moving forward. You may say, well, I'm not really sure what to pray for. Well, there's a great book, um, the book of Colossians. It's a letter Paul wrote to the city of Colossae, the believers there. And in the first three chapters, he gives us a bunch of things that we can be praying for. Let me just rattle them off real quickly here. You can be praying for spiritual wisdom. How do I apply what God's Word says into my life? You can pray for, uh, pray for spiritual understanding. That is, God, how do I respond to this situation? Because your Word doesn't necessarily say, thus saith the Lord, you know, here will do this. 
So how do I actually respond to that, even though your word doesn't necessarily give me exact directions, and how do I take a step of faith? And then in that, Lord, help me to fully know your will. Wow, that's awesome that God will let us know his will. And so we can be praying for that. Lord, what's your will in this situation? What's your will in that situation? Remind me from your word what your will is. Help me to take a step of faith. And so we pray for God's strength. We talked about the fact that God's Holy Spirit, he energizes our energy. He strengthens our strength. So we pray for God to strengthen our strength to do what he's called us to do rather than things that we want to do. And we ask him to empower us to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient, tolerant, forgiving, loving, thankful. For, his, for Christ's peace to rule in our heart, for Christ's word to permeate our lives. Wives, you can be praying that, that you would willingly come under the authority of your husband, just like Jesus Christ has come under the authority of God the Father. He's not asking you to do anything that he hasn't already done. Husbands, you need to be praying that, that you will sacrificially love your wife. First Peter says you need to understand your wife. So you need to be praying that you understand your wife and then know how to sacrifice for her because that's what Jesus did for you. Jesus is not asking you to do anything he hasn't already done for you. Children, you need to be praying and asking God, help me to obey my parents because I know this pleases you. Jesus Christ obeyed his parents. I said that one time he was at the temple. But I think they, I think they just figured he's with the caravan. And then he realized, oh, he's not with the caravan. And went back and he's like, hey, yo, I'm trying to teach these Pharisees something. So I don't know if he said yo. But anyways, dads, you need to be praying, hey, how do I, oi. He probably said, oi. Anyways, I don't know. Dad, you know, dads, you're, you're told, according to Scripture, that you need to be the spiritual leader of your home. So be praying that you're the spiritual leader of your home. Take the steps necessary. Pray with your wife. Pray with your kids. Open the Bible up. Open up the Bible in front of them for your own sake. Open up the Bible in front of them for their sake. Do what God's called you to do. Man up. Be praying for that to make that happen. Employees, you need to be praying that you work hard because you're working for the Lord. You're not working for the boss who frustrates you and irritates you. You're not working for the praise of other co-workers to try to one-up them. You're doing it for the Lord. Bosses, we need to be taking care of our employees and being fair with them and encouraging them and helping them. Talk to Logan and Jason and Kim. You know, I, I actually had to do my evaluation with Kim, my wife, for those who don't know. She was our office assistant. So I had to, we had to sit down. I had to be her boss. He had to be the employee. We had to work through the way I can encourage her, the way that she needed to kind of make some adjustments. Jason already, he's only a month and a half in or whatever he is. And, you know, why do I do that? Because I want them to be better at what they're doing. I, I, I'm willing to have those difficult conversations, even with my wife. And, and then she forgave me, and we were good. No. But all of that, all of that comes together to lay the groundwork for the gospel. That's why we're doing all that. We go through our lives, and so then God's going to present opportunities where we can then share with people why our lives are different, why are we responding differently, because we have a relationship with Christ. And when there's no immediate thing to be praying for, then we thank God for what he is doing. We become more aware of what we can be thankful for because we're seeing God at work. So our hearts and our minds, we're connected to God throughout the day in prayer. And then he says, hey, I want you to respond and it's in context to the outsiders or those who don't know Jesus Christ yet. 
So our, our lives are always about the gospel. It's why we get up in the morning. It's always about the gospel. If you wonder what your purpose is, it's always about the gospel. And so there's an urgency in our lives. And it's characterized by wise, effective, grace-filled responses to those who don't know Christ. Again, the outsiders. So here again, this means that day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the situation is, no matter who the people are that we're dealing with, no matter how we're feeling or what we're thinking, we apply God's promises, that's the wisdom and His principles, and make every interaction count for Christ. Every interaction needs to count for Christ. Conduct is just living life. Wisdom is taking God's promises and principles and applying them to life situations, our relationships, our interactions, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Why do we do this? Well, because like Paul, we don't have much time. You and I don't have much time. We're going to die. (laughs) Welcome to church. We're all going to die one of these days. How's that for an encouraging message? We are. Some of us are closer to that age but we don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if you heard about what happened at the Tower Armory. The guy walked in yesterday. He went ahead and it was a Friday or yesterday or whatever. He, he rented a gun and went into the shooting range and shot himself. You know, and this is one of the things, you guys, that I've been, I've been wrestling with a lot. I think one of the reasons why Colossians has been difficult for me to preach through is because I keep wondering, does it, does it really matter to anybody? Does what we just got done talking about in the book of Colossians really matter to any of us? Do we really care? The world is burning around us. If you're not paying attention, if you're not, I don't mean listening to CNN, and I don't mean listening to NBC, CBS, and you know all, all those news agencies, because they're not giving you the full story. I don't want to try to, I'm not trying to be political here. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just saying they're not. The truth is they're not. And if you're not paying attention to what's going on in our country, he says, making the most of your opportunity, that's an urgency there. Making the most is this urgent request, intensity. We got to be moving. We got to wake up with a purpose in the morning. And it's not just to make money, it's not just to build our little world around us. He says the opportunity, making the most of the opportunity. This word in the Greek is not just a, you know, the minutes that are ticking away in this message. It's this moment in time, the interactions we have with people. Some of us are going to get to the end of our lives. Probably most of us will, I mean, to be honest. We're going to get to the rest of our, end of our lives and we'll be like, man, I wish I had. Make the most of the time that you have here on earth, not for you, not for me, but for what Christ wants to do in and through us. What, what takes up the most, most of your day? What, what takes up your thought process most of the time? Where are you focusing your energy at? And when you stand before God, will it matter? Hey, Harold, way to go, man. You did a great job remodeling that house. Nice. <laughs> See, our world is burning around us. I saw this picture and sadly, I think that's where a lot of us Christians are at. Listen, I, I'm not here this morning. I, I, my responsibility as a pastor is not to judge people who are not followers of Jesus Christ. My responsibility is to bring God's word and encourage Christians to do life God's way and to, 
to go run to them with grace and a message of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ and this loving God who created them. And so I'm not going to judge somebody who thinks they're, they're one gender, but they think they're another gender. I'm not going to be judging people who want to go through that and even have the transition surgery. I'm not going to judge people who they want to have a relationship with the same sex. I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to sit there and judge people with that. And we shouldn't as Christians. But here's the deal. What they're being told is that's the answer. And we know as Christians, those who have been, have been created by a personal God who says, no, there is a male and there is a female and it was supposed to be one male and one female and they are to be together in marriage and everything that goes on sexually stays in that marriage. It doesn't go outside of that. So we talked about a couple weeks ago. He does that for our, for our good, for our protection. And so there are people who are, there are people who today don't even know who Jesus Christ is. They don't even know the gospel. Do you realize that? Have you talked to enough people to realize that? They don't know the gospel. And so they're just doing whatever the world tells them. Yeah, you're, you're a mistake and it just happens, so you just do whatever you want to do. And then what they do is they go, they follow that advice. And I'm reading stories now of people who have had the transition surgeries and the pain that they're going through because they realize that didn't help. That wasn't the answer. And how many of them know Christians? I bet you a bunch of them do. Jason went to Wood County a meeting with a, a health commissioner and the, and the number of kids who and adults who when they go through difficult times, how few of them talk to their pastor or some spiritual person. Parents, do you know what's going on with your kids at school? Do you know what they're being taught? I, I don't know. I don't have kids in school. What are they being told? Is it is it destroying who they are? Are they hearing the wrong message about that, that there is a God who created them and that they're specially and wonderfully made and that they have purpose? There's a reason why they're a girl and why there's a reason why they're a boy. And if you're homeschooling, you're not out of it. They have social media. You can't protect your kids from it anymore. They're part of clubs. They're, they're around people who are not Christians. Are we preparing them? Are they ready? Can your kid obviously, can they, can they sit with somebody who's not a believer and tell them from the Bible why it is that they're wonderfully made? That there's a God who loves them? That they don't have to change gender? They don't have to follow anyone's advice and go have sex with whoever they think they should have sex with? They don't need to put the gun to their head. Listen, Christians, we got to wake up. We act like, there's too often, I think, sometimes, we, we, we live in this little fantasy world. And we hide. Can't hide anymore. I'm not saying I have all the answers. But 
a week ago Friday, the ministry leaders and I, we were praying about and asking God, how do we as a church move forward? How do we encourage our church family to move forward? How do we train our church family to move forward? Yesterday, our leadership team, which is the four or five guys that meet with me and just kind of encourage and help me, and we kind of keep each other accountable, all kinds of stuff. We prayed, asking God, grandparents. You know, I'm not, I'm a parent, but I don't have kids. They deal, they do whatever they're going to do, right? We got grandkids. And, and it's not my responsibility to, like, Kim and I remind each other all the time, it's not our responsibility to parent the grandkids. But what happens if one of my grandsons comes up to me and possibly future granddaughter? We don't know yet. I'm just thinking it might be. Anyways, but what if they come up to me and they're like, hey, grandpa, I'm thinking that I don't need to be a boy anymore. Grandparents, do we have the answer? (laughs) We live in a scary world because the reality for people is going to be whether we show them we love them. Thank the Lord for a church where many of you get this and you're walking with people and encouraging people. He said we need to speak with grace. So it's not just responding, but in our speech. It needs to be grace. Grace is a gift. Grace is something you give somebody to something they didn't earn. Oftentimes, you know, fleshly speaking, what they earn, they rip us. What they earn is us to rip back, right? I mean, that's what we want to do. But no, we give them a gift. Not what they deserve, but what they don't deserve we give them a gift. We, we respond in kindness. We respond in grace. We respond in love. And, and what they need, what do they need at that moment? You know, especially when people are going through difficult times. You know, we've got to realize everybody's going through difficult times. We don't need to add to it. it talks about salt. You know, our, it needs to be seasoned with salt. I love salt. That's why I take blood pressure medicine, but salt, salt makes a, Kim made this really good casserole. I'm like, I'm going to grab some salt. She goes, yeah, I figured. <laughs> Just, but salt makes a person thirsty. So does your relationship with Christ come flow out of you so that they're thirsty for Jesus? Or they're thinking, eh, whoever they worship want nothing to do with it. it salt spices things up, right? So as our relationship with Jesus adds something positive to someone's life, when you're not there, do they go, man, I really miss so-and-so. Because I always feel good when I'm around them. I always encourage. Salt preserves food. Keeps it from rotting. So do we keep conversations from rotting? Do people see our relationship with Jesus Christ? And just one quick note. Because in this day and age, Paul didn't have social media. But this plays into social media. Whatever medium you use. If people were to look at your social media page, would they think that you're really more about funny memes or vacation pictures or recipes or alcoholic preferences or your political views or your sports teams or that you just like to slam people? Or do they, they see Jesus Christ? What a great opportunity we have today, Right? We have ways to influence people and encourage people. Second word that 
came to me is, is this word sadness. And again, unless you've been studying out these different guys that Paul mentions, and there's actually a lady in there too, but he mentions Demas. And Demas, um, Demas is mentioned here. He's also mentioned in Philemon. Um, and then, and he's mentioned as part of Paul's team. But then in 2 Timothy, Paul says this. Now, 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter. Uh, he dies shortly after this. So this is kind of his last words, uh, encouragement. So he's writing to Timothy. He says, make every effort to come to me soon. Why? For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He didn't go to the church in Thessalonica. He went the way of the world, in the sense that the world had become more important to him. And so Paul lost some team members. Demas isn't the only one. There's others, if you read through his letters, that have left and left him hanging and rejected Christ and said, okay, we're done. He'd been a faithful part of Paul's team for a while, evidently, and, but he didn't stay connected. And, and here's how it's relevant for us today. And if you're a first-time attender here this morning or a recent attender, um, I, I'm just going to spend a moment talking to our church family. This is happening in our church. I've, I was raised in a church. I've seen this happen more times than I care to talk about. Especially when I was growing up as a kid, seeing people that I looked up to, uh, spiritually speaking, who had poured into me spiritually. And then 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, poof, they're gone. It was hard as a kid seeing that. Uh, thankful for the parents that I had and the brothers that I had who stayed faithful. But we've had that in our five years here. People jumped in, they're excited. Some became members and committed themselves that way and they're like, we are, we're in, we're doing this. And then something happens. Life happens. Health issues happen. COVID was killer for a lot of churches, literally killing churches. And then they, they miss a week or miss two weeks and they come back and then they miss another two, maybe three weeks and then they come back and pretty soon it's four weeks and they're not back. We contact them. I've actually showed up at people's work. I mean, I mean not like yeah, they worked at stores where you actually go in, and I just happened to see them. You know, so we contact them, we call them, we ask them, we text them, we try to reach out. But poof. I think it starts with the fact that 70% of people who attend church don't read Scripture. And so they're, not, they're already not having this connection with God, knowing who God is, knowing all of his promises and principles, and knowing what life is supposed to be all about. So that when life hits, they are buying into everything but what God has to say, and then they just, they, they, the way the world says to do it is different. And it, that's the way I need to do it. And we have people on that slow fade in our church today. It, it's, a, it's a bummer. Uh, it's reality. I just, I guess, want to voice it. So if somebody's on the podcast listening, they've missed several weeks, maybe they'll be a ooh, 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 saying, is he talking about me? 
Listen, church isn't some place you go to. Church is the body of Jesus Christ. If you're not part of the body of Jesus Christ here, go to another church that preaches scripture and be the body of Jesus Christ there. But be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. I'm not, I'm just saying what the Bible says. And that's where the encouragement is. That's where the strength is. That's when we go through difficult times. That's what the Bible says. But the New Testament's written to churches. Christians, do this. And we get Christians, Christians, sad. And and it hurts. It hurts not for me so much, but for them. Because I know, I know what the next step is. Because I've seen it time and time again. And the last thing is the sacrifice. The rest of the people that Paul talks about, I just want to talk about four of them real quick. First one is Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave from Colossae. He ran away from his owner, Philemon. That's why Paul wrote the letter of Philemon to him. And, um, and basically what he was saying is, listen, Onesimus has showed up here in Rome while I'm in prison. We don't know if he was free or if he had been arrested for running away because he was a slave. Um, so we don't know how he, but anyways, he came and he, he evidently placed his faith in Christ. And so he's been serving Paul, helping Paul. And so Paul writes his buddy Philemon and says, hey, listen, Onesimus is with me, and I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just telling you that he's been useful for me. And, um, and so, you know, maybe you want to think about um, letting him go. And then Paul says this, because after all, you owe me, <laughs> which you read Philemon, it's pretty interesting how he lays it out there. But so it's pretty cool. So you got this freed slave who's serving Christ. And Philemon evidently let him go. Aristarchus, a Jewish Christ follower from Thessalonica. What's interesting about him, and I, I, I didn't do it in the first century, or first, but in Acts it talks about that they, he and um, Gaius and Aristarchus and Paul and the team were in Ephesus and they're a mob got together and throw them out of Ephesus because, again, they're making an impact for Christ. And, and uh, so Paul somehow was able to get out, but Gaius and Aristarchus got brought in by the mob, uh, probably beaten. We don't, we don't know the whole story, but uh, it says they were taken off and then eventually they were released. And they didn't freak out. They didn't cry and complain about it. They went right back and they teamed back up with Paul and they continued to doing the mission that God's called them to do. Third one was Mark. Uh, Barnabas' cousin. Um, it's interesting because in 2 Timothy uh, 4, um, it talks about Demas, and right after it, it talks about Mark. So Demas deserted. Mark also deserted. Paul and Barnabas were on their missionary journey. They brought Mark. Mark says, too hard, too difficult. I'm out of here. He goes back home. Paul and Barnabas come back from the trip. They want to go out for another missionary journey. Barnabas is like, yeah, we're going to take uh, Mark. And Paul's like, uh, no, we're not. And they got into a huge argument, the Bible tells us. And so it split. So Paul took Silas, Barnabas took Mark, and they went off on, and God doubled up you know, the work. So God worked it out for good, but there was some issues there. But we find out later in 2 Timothy 4.11 that Paul says, hey, bring Mark, because he's useful for me. So Mark through his serving, showed himself to be faithful. And Paul's like, man, they restored a relationship and he continued on serving the Lord. And the last one was Epaphras. Again, he's the one who started the church in Colossae. His hometown boy who came to Christ, went back to his hometown, started a church. He says he earnestly prays for you. 
He's living out these verses for the sake of the Colossian believers so they would grow to maturity and be effective in reaching people for Christ. So, why does any of this matter? This matters because as Christians, this is what we're called to do. And, and God has us here at this time, at this place. Parents, God's giving you children at this time, at this place for a reason. It's not a mistake. Grandparents, we have grandkids at this time, this place, because God wants it that way. We work where we work because God wants it that way. We're influencing, hopefully, the people in our families who need Christ because God wants it that way. It's not a mistake. There are people in our lives who need Christ. There are hurting people around us who are making decisions that are going to hurt themselves and that they are not going to be able to really deal with it. And we've got to come in and let them know about this God who loves them, who will accept them where they're at, will forgive them of their sin, and will then transform their life and use their past life to impact others for Christ. So for our takeaways today, first one is this, will you commit to pray with your eyes wide open for the opportunities to meet needs and share the gospel? Commit now, right here, right now. I'm going to start praying and asking God to make me aware of what's going on around me, meet the needs as you can through me, wake up tomorrow morning and start it again, wake up Tuesday, start it again. Secondly, will you commit to make every interaction count for Christ and the gospel? You're not going to work anymore just to make money. You're going to work to impact people for Christ. You're in your neighborhood to make an impact for Christ. You're in your club. You're in your school. Wherever it is you interact with people, you're there for Christ. You're there for the gospel. And thirdly, will you sacrifice and serve your church family and those God allows us to reach? Listen, thank the Lord that we're growing. We're seeing people come to Christ. We have other people who are followers of Christ that are coming and being a part of our church family. And because of that, we have a tension in our church where there's people who are serving and sacrificing. And that's great. But we're not, we don't want to burn people out. And so we've all been called to serve. And so I'm encouraging, and we're going to be talking some more about this in the coming weeks, about how you can get involved in helping people and serving in our church and coming alongside of people like Christ wants us to do. For now, let's go ahead and stand and we'll close in prayer.